0: Good morning guys, this is PJ, this is Bonnie, and this is another edition of Lit Chat. This month it was Read What You Like. As promised in our last episode, Bonnie and I ended up reading one of our favorite children's books, but before we start talking about that, let's talk about some of the other books that we read, and then we'll circle back to that one. Sounds good, Bonnie? Sounds good to me. All right, so I'll go ahead and go first. Um, this wasn't actually a good month for me. I read three books. Woo! Which, you know, doesn't <laughs> really happen for me. Um, so the first book that I read was a book called Mary Jane that is by Jessica Anya Blau. This reminded me a lot of Daisy Jones and the Six okay. because it has a lot of uh, musical aspects. However, as much as I like Daisy Jones and the Six, I actually found this one to be better. I just love this one more. So, a little bit about the plot. There's this girl named Mary Jane who, I want to say she's 14? She gets asked to be a nanny during the summer to a five-year-old named Izzy. And so she's the nanny to Izzy. Her father is a psychiatrist, and her father just happens to be treating a very famous musician named Jimmy, who is married to a very famous actress named Sheba. And they have to kind of keep this on the low, so they ask uh, Mary Jane, you know, to keep it a secret. Sure enough, part of the problem comes from her trying to keep secrets, because her mom is very nosy and wants to know a lot. So Mary Jane finds herself telling lies. So are Mary Jane's parents separated or? No, Mary Jane's parents are together. So is Izzy
1: the actress's? I'm, I'm not sure where Izzy comes into this.
0: She's the daughter of the psychiatrist who's treating the musician and the actress Okay, so
1: Mary Jane knows about what the psychiatrist is doing because
0: he's treating them. Okay, okay. Yes. I'm with you now. And Jimmy has drug addiction. Okay. So it's just a lovely story. It's a coming-of-age story. It's very humorous. Um, It's life told through the eyes of a 14-year-old who has this memorable summer because I think she ends up growing herself. You know her parents are very strict and they're not the most loving parents or at least they don't outwardly show their love and i think that this affects her because i think it i don't think she goes in having the best self-esteem and it's through her summer living with the psychiatrist his family and then jimmy and sheba who are the famous pair, that she ends up learning that she's actually, um, she does not give herself as much credit as she should. She doesn't get as much credit as she should from her parents. And so that's really nice. Um, I love the innocence of her character. I love how she brings this innocence to adult topics such as addiction infidelity, drugs, and sex. Okay. Um, Something that I find very humorous is the psychiatrist is talking about how people can have different addictions, and he mentions sex addiction. And she thinks she's a sex addict, and all this time she's just thinking she's a sex addict with really... She's a girl going into puberty.
1: And so she's <laughs> okay. just
0: normal. Like,
1: she she's thinks- normal,
0: but she doesn't think so. Exactly. Exactly. So she labels herself a sex addict, um, which is hilarious because as you are reading this, you know very well that she's not a sex addict. Um, so it's just lovely how these characters come about. I found myself laughing at one point. I also found myself just really upset with uh, Jimmy. I'm not going to tell you why, but yes, I absolutely loved this um, book. It's a coming-of-age story. It's full of heart, humor, and hard truths. Um, like I said, it's got that musical aspect from Daisy Jones, and even then, um, you know, Daisy Jones talked about addiction. This one dwells into it a little bit more. Um, okay. I definitely would say this is one of my favorite reads. Okay, good. Um, the other book that I read was The Maidens, which is the follow-up to of Alex Michaelady's book, The Silent Patient. Okay. And... Uh, I've got to say, anything that he writes from now on, I'm going to give it a chance. I thought this book was amazing. Um, It was a bit different because right off the bat, you've got the character, the main character Mariana, telling you who the killer is. Whereas, well, that's really different. Yes, whereas the silent patient, you. You had to wait until the end of the book, yeah. So I almost thought, hmm, how can it be as exciting? Let me tell you. He made it really exciting. I think I found it easier to get into this book than I did with The Silent Patient. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that um, after reading The Silent Patient, I kind of realized that you really have to kind of pay attention to see if he'll give you any clues um, so I started paying more attention to this book from the get-go. However, uh, as soon as I thought I knew the killer or I knew what was going on, I just didn't. He just kept surprising <laughs> me. It's, I mean, this book was just amazing. Um, a little bit about the plot. So the main character is Mariana. She is a psychiatrist. And she gets roped into trying to find the mystery of who is killing these women in the college that her niece attends. Okay. Her niece is Zoe. She happens to get roped into this because when the, the first murder victim is Zoe's best friend. Okay. She starts to find out that these deaths have a lot in common, specifically that the women who are being killed, all belong to this um, group called the Maidens, which is a student group of, I think, seven um, seven um, students. And it's led by this professor, so it's a little cultish, And it's also a little questionable because you're like, why does a professor have a group of women called the
1: maidens? Right. Exactly.
0: And the professor is, um, he teaches Greek mythology. So I think, you know, the author being Greek, he puts a lot of Greek mythology into this book, as he did with The Silent Patient. Um, Right. Also, having a background in psychiatry, he um, also is very knowledgeable and puts this, um, puts that into this book also. So is she, is um,
1: Marianne, Marianne, what's her name? Mariana. Mariana. Is she kind of doing this on her own or is it in yes. conjunction with the
0: police or... Are the
1: police involved
0: yet? The police are involved, but they very much don't want her to be a part of it. And in fact, she gets in trouble with the police because she's just being nosy. Later on, she does find what I would say a partner who helps her with these things. But there's not much I can say. What I can say is the other brilliant thing about this book was that it connects the first book. The uh, Silent Patient. Now, this is not a sequel to The Silent Patient. Okay. Um, but it connects it because you will, f- you will read familiar characters that were in The Silent Patient make a presence in this um, book. Okay. They don't have too much of a presence. But you also kind of learn how um, the psychiatrist that treated, I forgot her name, that treated the patient in the silent. I, I
1: can't remember, they, Alexis, or, I, I want to, I don't know. You, I don't remember her name either.
0: You find out how he ends up going into the institution where she is at. So I, I loved it, I thought it was amazing. Um, the ending was just so good, it was so satisfying, you know, sometimes you get to the ending and you're just let down. No, the ending was satisfying, it had me guessing till the end, and um, we talked about how the first book is going to be, The Silent Patient's going to be made into a movie, I could easily see this being turned into a movie also, it was just great, and like I said, anything else that he, um, writes. I will give it a chance because quite honestly, these two books have left me, they've left my mind blown to say the least. Okay. (laughs) So yes, two awesome books for me. And then uh, how about you?
1: Well, I read a lot again since our last issue. Um, Of course, I've been reading my little series about, uh, Veronica Speedwell, my butterfly person, my lepidopterist, and her um, sidekick, Stoker. Um, things are starting to heat up a little bit between them.
0: Oh, nice. You know,
1: uh, Veronica has said, you know, she's, she's a very um, open person. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, she admits readily that she has had sexual encounters with men and and enjoys it, but the one thing she has always said is that she will never have an affair with an English man. She does it like she has her affairs out in in her foreign cut in the foreign countries because she doesn't want to bring it home.
0: Okay, because I was going to say I remember you telling me this. I don't remember why she's not willing to have an affair with an Englishman. It's because she's English too, right? She's
1: English too, and she just um. A lot of it's the scandal that would happen if somebody found out about it at home, you know. Okay. So she does it. Basically, she does it with people she never ever expects to see again in her lifetime.
0: Because this it's kind of around... like these
1: one nights. It's eighteen hundreds. It's so in Victorian. The 1860s, yes. Oh yeah, that the, would be cause very scandalous. Because the first book was when Queen Victoria was celebrating her fiftieth okay. uh, anniversary or whatever. So yes, it would be extremely scandalous. The fact that she lives on her own, quote unquote, as a woman in this time frame and has this job as a butterfly person is just astronomical anyway. And the fact that she travels on her own without maids and what have you, people people are kind of skeptical to begin with. So she doesn't want... Anything to happen in England that would upset people hiring her to go out and do these jobs. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but things are starting to heat up a little between her and Stoker, and his brother had a lot to do with it because his brother also kind of he would like to have an interest in, you know, he has sort of an interest in Veronica too. Oh. Um, and so it's kind of like the brother's vying for attention. And, um, of so course, the of a... brother is the Lord. He is the reigning head of the family right now. And... Um, so, he he can't figure out why Veronica won't look at him, you know. Yeah. But, um, so, but things are starting to heat up a little bit there. I'm into the uh, fourth or fifth book. I think I'm getting ready to start the fifth book in the series now. So, I mean, the author has been very good about, you know, it's, it's kind of as a sideline, but it's not that romance that has the, the massive romantic encounters through the whole book. It's just... This really subtle thing that's going on underneath everything. I kind of
0: almost feel like I I like that subtleness because yeah, it makes you want it more. You know it's what not I mean?
1: Blatant. It's not so blatant as it is yes. in, in the other stories. And then of course my uh, my uh, bibliophile person. I've been keeping up with her, uh, the bookbinder um, Brooklyn Wainwright. Uh, she is now she and her significant other are living together and, um, you know, she's, she's had a really rough time with relationships. (laughs) She can't figure out why this guy likes her. He's this, he's this James Bond type character, you know, he, he worked, he worked in espionage and now he owns his own security company and he's this wonderfully handsome, you know, he, he's literally a James Bond character, you know, and, so she, I'm
0: assuming he helps her out with...
1: Well, originally in the very first book, he was the one that accused her of murder
0: oh, in yeah. the first okay. place.
1: And then when she faints in his arms at the sight of blood, he has to change his tune. Okay. And and things progressed and, and they just got closer and closer. But her her family is... her. I love her family. Her mother and father um, were, you know, your hippies of the of the 60s and 70s and they named all their kids after the places where they were and and that's how brooklyn got her name and all of her siblings but um her mother is just she's still this wild child and every time she meets her you know she says oh i have to check your chakra you know and and all this kind of stuff (laughs) and she she comes up with all these ways to purify you know, your, your surroundings and to purify your body. <laughs> and, and the whole family knows that, you know, mom's going to try this, so try to stay away from mom if you're having an issue.
0: <laughs> so the family doesn't buy into the whole thing, but they but just the, accept it because of the mom.
1: Right. Well, they do kind of because they ended up, the parents brought all the kids to a commune in California mm-hmm. when they were young you know, they joined this commune. And as it turns out, the leader of the commune was a smart businessman. And now they have a town and they have a winery and they have, it's now a resort area. And all the people who still live there, who were the original commune people are now rich. So yeah, it's its kind of interesting how their life has evolved. But you know, Brooklyn's kind of feeling like a death magnet because, you know, of course, these books are about murders. Yeah. And it's always her that finds the body or something, or, you know. And she's always tripping over dead bodies, so to speak. So she kind of feels, so she's talked to the guru at the commune a couple of times, you know. And, you know, why is this happening to me? But, so she's learning to accept that this may just be her lot in life. And, uh, but it, they're, they're funny, are funny. They, they have mean, this funny side to them and they're really funny.
0: Maybe fun. it has something to do with her chakra.
1: Yeah, who knows? <laughs> and then, of course, there's um, I also read another children's book. You know, we had talked about reading some of our former children's books. So I had decided to read, I love the Harry Potter series. And, you know, J.K. Rowling came out with a, a new book called Ichabog. And um, in reading it, apparently she had written this book years and years and years ago um, for her children, Um, like she would do a a chapter a night for them. And then after her children grew up, she just kind of stashed it away in the attic and didn't think anything more about it until COVID came along last year. And then she decided to dig it out and put it online, chapter by chapter, for kids to read and to illustrate. And what she did was she would put out the chapter and then kids would draw pictures uh, depicting what happened in that chapter and would send them in. And so this book, the pictures in this book were ones that were picked from all the drawings that the children did, and they are, some of them are just astronomical because they're like 11 and 12-year-olds and younger drawing seen pictures. Them, and yes, they're beautiful. And um, just a quarter of the way in, I'm going, oh, this is a Disney movie.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I should say, just... when we were talking about it, people didn't catch on that we had said, J.K. Rowling. So they thought about the Disney movie, Ichabod Crane, and the Headless Horseman. Right, and no. So we this were is like, no, no this no, no, is completely no, no. different. This
1: is not Ichabod. This is Ichabog. Um, it ends in a G. And um, But you have this little kingdom run by this king who's oblivious to everything around him except his happiness. And so he has these of friends who kind of advise him friends in quotations well I would put them in quotations he okay. thinks they're they're his lifelong friends but they are friends that use him for their betterment and inevitably it ends up being to the detriment of the kingdom and to a lot of people and um, of course Spittleworth is the name of the worst one and i he could be the villain. Oh, he could be a Disney villain like you wouldn't believe. And
0: <laughs> Well, I like the name because it's like Spittleworth spit.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of the names in this book kind of go along those lines, you know, like their, their names are kind of like their characters.
0: <laughs> so you can kind of tell their personality.
1: But it's, it's, it's another one of those books that I found, like the Harry Potter series, where, yes, they're children's books, but they do have a lot of adult things about them, you know, that kids would not pick up on. Yeah. They're very, they can be very adult-oriented um, as well. And I think, I think anybody, my husband read this, and he doesn't always read the books that I recommend, but he thought it was absolutely good. And it's, you know, for an adult, it's an extremely quick, short read. Because it's written for children, it's easily read. I liked it. I thought it was just wonderful. And, you know, I can't tell you a whole lot about it. It's another one of those books that if you start talking about this, then you have to talk about this. And you're like, no, that would give too much of it away. You know, you have the kids that end up saving the kingdom with the Ichabog. And, you know, the Ichabog is supposedly, most people don't believe in it, but it is, it ends up being something true. But most people had always thought it was just one of these things you use to scare your kids, you know, into doing good. You know, oh, the Ichabog's going to eat you, you know. Like
0: the boogeyman. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's like the boogeyman. But it turns out the Ichabog is real and he's not a mean person. I will tell you that. I thought it was just a very fun, interesting but yeah, it was, uh, I, I really liked it.
0: That's nice. Awesome. You did give that book to me to read, and I am going to read it. Um, so I'm glad you didn't say too much of it. <laughs> um, but now, should we circle back to, um, that's perfect, because a lot of what you said about adult topics, even the idea of children being the saviors in the story, as opposed to the adults who... Oftentimes, you know, with children's books, it's the adults who are the silly ones or the ones who you're just like, you're an adult? Yeah. I found those topics very relevant in what we ended up reading, which was The Witch of Blackbird Pond
1: by Elizabeth George Spear.
0: A little bit about the plot. There's this, I think she's 16 years old. Yes. Her name is Kit she is coming from Barbados, and she goes to Connecticut. Her grandfather passed away. She's kind of an orphan because her parents... Not kind of. She is an yes. Orphan. Well, her um, parents died, and so she lived with her grandfather, and her grandfather ended up dying. So she ends up going to Connecticut to visit... Well, she says...
1: She tells people
0: she's she's gonna visiting her aunt, her her
1: mother's sister.
0: She goes telling people that she's going to visit, but actually she is hoping to live there. She is estranged. They would still write letters, but, you know, given the fact that she's in Barbados and for the longest time the aunt was in England and then moved to...
1: America. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, They're still. um, I mean, you
1: have to figure it just takes so long for mail to go anywhere just because it has to go by ship. And, you know, the ships only traveled so often in the wintertime. They didn't come at all to Connecticut because all the rivers were frozen and the ships couldn't get
0: there. And so she goes and she lives with her aunt and her aunt's family and uh, she realizes that the way she was raised in Barbados makes her an outsider in this community. Because she's seen as an outsider, it brings trouble and also um, there's an element of danger, I would say.
1: Well, she was raised, her grandfather owned a plantation. Yes, So you can just imagine the way she was raised. She was raised as the daughter of a plantation owner. And now she is going to a community where, you know, everybody, I think her cousins had one dress or two dresses a piece, and she brings seven trunk loads of clothing. Yeah. That's the first thing that she notices or that she is made aware of. But... A lot of it, because she is an outsider, she ends up befriending the other outsider in the community, who is the witch of Blackbird Pond. And I remember- Or so that's what they say. Well, I you can't see this, but I'm doing quotes around the word witch. Um, you know, obviously, this is the late 1600s. We're, we haven't been that far removed from the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. For, this is that same time period, you know, where the Salem witch trials are happening. And she has already done some things in coming to shore off the boat, you know, that are making people question her. And there's this one particular um, obnoxious woman called Mrs. Cruff. And she has a very young daughter named Prudence, and Prudence and Kit end up becoming friends with, in and in turn, with the, with Hannah Tupper, who is the witch, quote unquote. Um,
0: well, and to be fair, Hannah, Hannah Tupper, is no witch. She is a Quaker, and and, and because is, she's a Quaker, she's not accepted.
1: I mean, I read this book. I I had to be fifth or sixth grade when I read this book. So Mm -hmm. I was extremely young. And I am pretty sure, because at that point in my life, anything that had witch in the title or horse in the title, I was reading it, you know. I just was fascinated with the idea of witches. You know, so that is probably the reason I picked up the book to begin with. But just the fact that the adults who professed such being so religious. You know, this is a Puritan community, which I found a little strange because you had always pictured and been told that Puritan communities were these very strict communities. And they talk in this book about how they dressed up every so often and went to parties. Yeah, they didn't dress up in the sense that we would think to dress up, but there were some people there who had clothing like what Kit had, what she brought with her, you know, her fancy dresses and stuff. But they they may have only had one or two where Kit had a whole seven trunks full.
0: I still think they were a strict community. Um, Kit didn't really grow up in the church. She no. didn't go to mass. She is coming from Barbados, so she knows how to swim. She was you know, taught very differently, basically as the only child. But also, I think her grandfather really wanted to educate her as a male would have gotten educated,
1: which is a rarity. He was probably looking to the future, at one point, of her taking over the plantation.
0: But also, with that aspect, Kit finds a lot of hardship in the daily chores that the Puritans have to do. Because, like Bonnie said, she's coming from a plantation, and they have slaves, so did she have to do all these chores? No. But now she's got to wash
1: dishes, and she's got to wash clothes, and she's got to help plant the crops, and she's got to help weed the crops. And... You know, she's down to one or two dresses now. She can't flaunt her wardrobe. So. And it
0: changes her in a good way because I think she realizes what's important and what's not important. And having seven trunks of clothes is not important. Although, also, to be fair, Kit, when she first meets her aunt and her uh, cousins. cousins, tries to give them clothes.
1: And the uncle was just absolutely forbidding it. Yeah. No, absolutely not. We don't need that stuff, was his comment. You know, we're fine the way we are. But there's also some nuances and stuff that start in this book where you see the beginnings of the American Revolution.
0: You know, yes. we're
1: still about 50 years away from the Revolution, but... You can already see, um, you know, people not liking the the king trying to tell them what to do, and you know the king's governors and stuff saying what you can and can't do because Connecticut apparently had been kind of a little community on its own that they weren't under royal rule, so to speak, and then they get a governor that is comes in who is for the king. And now all of a sudden they have to answer back to England again. And there are people in the community like Kit's uncle who don't want this. So you're already seeing these rifts. And I don't think as a child I picked up on that either. Whereas an adult, I can pick up well, on let me
0: Let me tell you, I remembered the main plot. I didn't remember all the details because I was convinced at one point that something happened that never actually ended up happening. And I think it was because I thought that she at one point was made to do that sink or float test to right. see whether she was a witch or not. And so I had it in my head and I was anticipating when that would come up and it never did. <laughs> because it just you know I just I got it in my head anticipating
1: that too. And it's not that I got it in my head, but it was a comment that Nat, the, the captain of the ship that brought her to Connecticut, yeah. made a comment to the her. The son of the captain. The son of the captain. He made some comment to her that because she knew how to swim, and we won't tell you how that came about, how they found out, but I think it would be worth your while to read the, reread this book or to read it for the first time, but he makes some comment to her that she better be careful Because in this part of the country, that was a sign of being a witch. And if she wasn't careful, they were going to do the water test on her. And she goes, what's that? And he goes, that's where they tie you to a chair and dip you in the water. And if you float, you're a witch. And if you sink, you're innocent. But by the time you sunk, you're dead anyway. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you were a witch or not.
0: So So, even with those, even Forgetting about those details, rereading it, I still really liked it. I did too. And from an adult perspective, I realized just how many difficult topics get brought into this book. You know, you've got the topic of religious tolerance, you've got what rumors can do, witchcraft, slavery, because at one point Nate, you know, mentions to her, Nate's opposed to slavery. And he talks about how he would be making, him and his dad would be making more money if they were willing to sell slaves, but they don't. And They were willing to, have, to transport
1: slaves. Yes. On their boat.
0: And Kit, having grown up in a plantation with slaves doing things, doesn't really understand the concept of how horrible slavery is. Um, another thing that you also pick up on is child abuse, because prudence
1: oh my gosh, that poor child, you just, you wanted to reach through the pages of the book and slap her mother silly, and then slap her mother silly some more, and then you wanted to do it to her father for allowing it to happen.
0: Yes, and this is what, this is, I think, what, it doesn't surprise me, but I think that this is what validates children's books. I think oftentimes as adults, we just, oh, there's a they're children's books you know they're not as complex but no you reread them and you start to realize wow they're talking about child abuse they're talking about witchcraft they're talking about slavery they're they're talking about spousal abuse too in a way because
1: this this one woman who is abusing her child is also sort of abusing her husband Now, the fact that he's letting her get away with it, because we're in a time period when women supposedly didn't have a lot of power. Yeah. But yet this woman is running her household, and the husband is letting her do it. For whatever reason, he is not standing up to her. And you see, you know, you've got all these issues. And and... I
0: didn't pick that up as a kid. No. And that's what I'm saying. When you reread children's books, you pick up different aspects of that book as an adult that you then you did when you were a child Oh, I would
1: have never picked up on a lot of the subtleties
0: now the and it's the religious
1: done, stuff I might have picked up on
0: it's done in a um, it's
1: very subtle yes it's extremely subtle because it is a children's book and this isn't you know when you want to introduce it I think they want to introduce it as something later on down the road but as an adult, if you pick up these books, you are going to be astounded at what's in them.
0: But you adult see, topics. I think that's the greatness of children's books. That they deal with difficult topics in a subtle way. And kids sometimes pick up on it, or sometimes they don't. But then as an adult, you reread it, and you're just like, wow. I will say, um, you talked about you picking up this book because of witches, or it had the title of Witch. Witch. I picked up this book probably also because it said The Witch of Blackbird Pond. I liked history. I've always liked history, so that probably did it for me. I can remember liking this book for two big reasons. Three. Historically, I liked it. I loved how, as a child, I just was reading this book where Kit is acting more like an adult than adults are. Yes. I, you know, as a child, sometimes you always feel like the adults are right because you're made to feel that way. And this is one of those aspects where you understand that, no, adults aren't always right. These people were not tolerant of Hannah because of the simple fact that she was a Quaker. And it's this kid who has more heart and is willing to stand up against the community because she sees that Hannah is a good person. I loved that as a kid. That idea of, you know, kids aren't always wrong. Sometimes kids have more sense than adults. And this was one of those books that as a child, I was like, yes, I like it. Also, growing up as a tomboy, I loved Kit. I loved kit she held her own with the like guys she just was she was her own person that yes she didn't knuckle under
1: to the to the local norms she kept herself she kept enough of herself that it was she didn't lose herself
0: and for a girl growing up it's important to have these characters yes It is very important to have these self-empowered girl characters because oftentimes, I don't know, you look at Kit and then you look at her cousins and her cousins are the opposite. Her cousins are, one of them just wants to get married. Yeah. She's all about material life. Well, the other one apparently is
1: um, handicapped. Yeah. She can't walk or something, and she would love to have a regular life, but she has given up, pretty much, on a lot of having a regular life. And nice things happen to her in the end, but um,
0: but, but very, she's kind
1: of given up on life and just is accepting what comes along. Kit's and
0: very, like, no,
1: you know, pushing You can her. do this. You can do this, yes. So Kit was a very good influence on her cousins as well. So... I think you should all go reread some of your childhood favorites because you might find some new things in them that you didn't realize were there the first time you read
0: them. I would agree. And with that... Next month is read what you want again. Yes. Let us know. If you do read um, children's books... Or just let us know, what's your favorite children's book? What's a book that I should read that you read as a child? I would love to know. Right, Bonnie? Right. All right, guys. Well, thank you once again, and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.